Welcome to Recipe Club, the podcast where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. My name is Chris Ying. I am the co-host along with this cutie pie over here, David Chang. Hi. <laughs> and we are, we are joined virtually today by our special guest, none other than John DeBerry, author of Saved by the Blaney and... Uh, Judge of the 2023 LA Spirits Awards. I say virtually because it sounds, John, like we'll maybe get a, a physical, physical, physical encounter. From you make a drive by. Really cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> fell apart. Physical encounter. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a physical encounter with John DeBerry. Soon. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> uh, we started talking about this this judge's gig a little bit before we started recording, or, or truth be told, when we failed to record the first time around. Uh, you were telling us that you're going to judge non-alcoholic categories and THC CBD beverages, right? Yeah, and also just like regular spirits, but usually they they, they put me in the non-alc section. What are you going to do with the THC beverages? Because yeah. having partaken in some, they are quite uh, fuerte. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't swallow them, but the thing about THC versus alcohol is that alcohol doesn't absorb yeah, it absorbs through your, through your mouth. So, you, so you on, actually, John, who are you talking to? <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, it's for the it's for the listener. Come on, you know, in case in case not everyone. So you have to I'm have a, to be careful. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> what I does know, that mean? You know. Like, so you you are you, you just spit, can't taste too you spit many. Them all out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, like with with I alcohol, you, know, you can spit all day. Yeah. You're right. Right. With alcohol, you can spit all day, uh, and you're usually fine. But with THC, you got to be careful. When you're judging, have you ever? Have you, how much? How much uh, of this kind? Have you done judging of this sort? Of like just nobody invites yeah, me I mean, to <laughs> potlucks, or judges. <laughs> no, no pie. You did pie. Yeah, that was like they say the worst year ever <laughs> at the KCRW Pie Fest. Wow. <laughs> also, I can't act. So, <clears throat> uh, JDB, this is your third year running. Give us third a taste of some sort of of of. of some revelation you've had. Like, was there a product that you were totally blown away by some, some spirit of whatever category? Well, actually the funny thing, the first, uh, the first round that we did last year, which was the first in person. So I was actually in LA. Um, we tasted beers and I didn't realize they were non-alcoholic beers until afterwards, until after they mentioned that the category was non-alcoholic beers. So I think that says a lot about how good non-alcoholic beers are these days that especially even I athletic couldn't brew. tell. It was it. It was in the running. It was there. Wait, yeah. is the new summer one out? Can you talk about the new the Rattler? Yeah, it's out. Out. Yeah, it's oh, wow. so good. It's very. good. I gotta try that <laughs> on ice. It's so. It's so. So. So oh, I need it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna miss JDB. I'll be. Uh, out oh, you're not town. gonna be here. I'm not gonna be here. Oh, that seems intentional. JDB, we'll. Blame my wife. <laughs> Just blame my children. <laughs> uh, well, we'll 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 encounter JDB physically with us. We'll, we'll have an encounter. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, yeah. uh, I also noticed, JDB, it's been whew, seven weeks since we last recorded with you. Time. But uh, <laughs> you've been on the road a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I went to uh, Amsterdam and Belgium for my family. Were you and Amsterdam uh, together? We were for a sec. We had an encounter. We were we were technically in the same city, but I did not know he was there for like the three. I think seconds you were leading the day I arrived. Yes, yeah. sounds intentional. <laughs> it does not. It just sounds really intentional. Uh, what did you give me? Some give us some eating highlights from your travels. Well, I'm glad you asked because I had my first official Lomo Saltado at a Peruvian restaurant in, in Amsterdam, and it was fantastic. Uh, a legit it so one. Good. It was the best thing. It was the best thing I ate in Amsterdam, actually. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to like dig too deep into that, but I. I did not. I did not take to Dutch food as I might have taken to other foods. Although there's a bunch of. I've never Great heard gummies. Great gummy of, candy. There's that. some good gummy candy. No space cakes. I come on. What's wrong with you peoples? I was. What's a space cake? Can I, I was scared of space cakes after your story. Takes What's you to the other cake? side, John DeBerry. <laughs> it's a oh. wormhole to another dimension. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you could have met Q for the first I mean, time, JDB, in real life. Oh my God. I mean, I did buy I did buy shrooms when I was there, but I don't think this is what you're talking about. Uh, no, this is just the the sort of like it's like the OG pot brownie, right? That's what a space cake is, or oh. also hash. OG whatever else is in there. Brownie. <laughs> it's it's the, the cuvee of. Uh, Drugs. <laughs> uh, LSD brownie. Yeah. I did eat a lot of, did you encounter any Surina- Surinamese food in Amsterdam? No, but I heard, I heard, it, I heard it's good. <clears throat> that was, that was good stuff. Um, yeah. None of that is why we're here today. We're no. here. Well, J- JDB, just, I want you to realize something. Since the seven weeks since we've last seen you, the person to my left, you're right, mm-hmm. has complained incessantly. Really has about oh, yeah. me giving you seven points to his three points mm-hmm. and JDB. He gave Mr. me four Mr. points. I mean, right? He gave you four points. He said you ruined the entire season. This isn't even a paraphrase. You ruined the entire season because you gave him extra points because he cooked the double double the size. It's true that that's not a paraphrase, John. Uh, because wow. it's an outright fabrication. It's not true at all. <laughs> you, you fucking liar. You fucking liar. Let's back up here. I Don't was not mad that you gave him seven points. I was not mad that you gave him seven points. That is to be expected. I was upset that he gave me three points. What that did, is what did you what 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 Fair did enough. you have a grudge against him for what he did effort wise versus what you did effort wise? Again, this was not a grudge against JDB. This was you giving him seven points for doubling the amount of weenies in the barbecue sauce. See, JDP, he's angry, and I just want you to know he's been besmirching your like an arbitrary problem, Chris. I'm going to tell you, John, what? it has come to be known as uh, the JDB7, and it is, <laughs> it, is, uh, it is a real problem. It's going to go down in history as a real problem for this oh show. Um, <laughs> Will we ever move past no, I'm this? No, I'm very glad... It was it was bad because we haven't we haven't gotten to to see JDB. He sent me. Well, it was also the first, the first time we did we did the whole scoring thing, so it was yeah. like a uncharted territory. So we all were learning. It was uncharted territory. JDB did email me afterward, just be like, "Are we all okay? Is everybody <laughs> okay?" The aftercare. <laughs> uh, but you know, let's see let's see where things go. Let's see if any of these these grudges remain after this uh, this seven week cool down period. Today uh, on the show, we are exploring a little-known ingredient known as, uh, I believe it's pronounced butter, 
butter. It's butter. Um, butter. Um, if you do a quick little Google search for butter recipes, you are going to turn up somewhere in the realm of 400 million results. Uh, a lot of recipes involving or for butter. The first one you're going to get is 17 easy ways to make flavored butter. Um, there's a lot of make your own butter recipes, a lot of flavored butter recipes, compound butters, uh, mm. all that sort of thing. Uh, we're here to cut through the noise and find a uh, great way of cooking with butter. Uh, but let's talk about the ingredient overall. Chang, where does butter lie in your overall world ranking of fats? Hmm. I would probably have to put it one or two. One or two. I assume pork fat is fighting for number one. No, I would say olive oil is pretty amazing. In wow. Yeah. Yeah. Olive oil is pretty amazing. Can you give us a... Because it's del- like the thing is, it's delicious. Olive oil itself is delicious. Yeah, it, it, mm. you can't say that about almost every other oil, right? Other than butter, butter. right? Like, yeah. but butter's an animal fat, right? So almost all animal milks are delicious too, right? So, in terms of fat, though, I'd probably say what is more delicious is duck fat or manteca. I, you know, beef tallow, all amazing. But in terms of butter, cow butter. If you want to get specific, is the goat of dairy milks. <laughs> it's so it's so rare that you get to describe a cow product as a goat. That's correct. <laughs> First time. You found it. Um, and yes, there's varieties of butter. And I think the best butter I've ever had was Bordier, famous French farmer who, again, uh, I was the first American to get the green light. Mm-hmm, to serve it. But I couldn't wow. get it past immigration. Um and when I was with Magnus Nielsen a few years back, we we um, we milked single udder milk literally from a dairy farmer and made it the whole process from um, what's the first cr- milk that comes out? Colostrum. Yeah. Yes. We had colostrum mm-hmm. pudding. Woo! That was bad for you. So colo- colostrum is I mean exists in humans too, right? But it's like the first when like yeah, the most newborn nutritious calf comes out. It's yeah. The, it's the most nutritious um, milk. Yeah, and getting to taste butter when you freshly make it and it's pressed and you have the buttermilk come out, which is, you know, the whole process is unbelievable. When you make it, and even if it's unsalted and a hot piece of bread, it is, you know, I'm talking about drugs, Dave. It's like the MDMA of dairy. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the goat. (laughs) It's the goat. It's the MDMA. It's all these things. Yeah. Because uh, it's the one, it, and the reason I say MDMA, just makes you great want to butter lick your can improve the situation for anything and everything. Shitty bread, yeah. cold, stale bread, anything, it elevates it to a point where like, eh, it's not so bad. Electronic music <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> makes right. it all enjoyable. It's, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so in that regard, yes. If I had to say the best milk dairy, then yes, cow dairy, unequivocally so. But I would probably rank it olive oil in terms of cooking, olive oil, butter, you know, and then it's a anything could be third place. Manteca. Canola oil. <laughs> Peanut oil. Wait, I, I mean, sesame oil is the best, but it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to understand something because you've made this reference a few times and I cannot tell if you're kidding or not. Before we move on, single utter butter. Like literally you only pulled on one of yeah. the teats to produce yeah. the butter. That's right. 
What's this is not a that? joke. No, this is a real thing. <laughs> Why is that better? Why? That's my question. Why is it better out is of it all one the same and not like all the multiple teats? upper region? I'm listen. I may look like a dairy expert. I'm actually not. <laughs> <laughs> What's this guy even doing here? <laughs> no, I just like saying the term single uttered. But cultured buttermilk, because I hope to see that on a menu one day and then piss my pants. Uh, <laughs> Sir, this is our fresh sourdough we made with Poolish uh, t- this morning, and we serve this with a flaky molden of uh, <laughs> flaky molden salt of single uttered cultured buttermilk. So I, I actually I do want to get into some of these these sort of marketing terms around around butter as well, because first of all, I have my statistics here in front of me. Uh, JDB, you take a guess. What is the average yearly consumption of butter for an American human? I feel like it's lower than I think it is. Like, maybe like, I don't know, five pounds? Wow. I have a number here that says six pounds of butter for each. That's remarkable. The French is got to be 24, 36 pounds. (laughs) 36 pounds of butter. Butter. Yeah, no, definitely. That's I feel like Americans are low. a month. <laughs> By the way, that, that right. when that's you like scroll through um, social media, Chris, uh-huh. you know, those TikTok viral kids that you love so much. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is only the clock app? Oh, this is the best story in the world that I will never be able to say in public or private. Anyway, <laughs> you see these guys and girls that just eat butter yeah, as yeah. their snack? Mm-hmm. Me, I do that. You do? Oh, what do you mean? Right. You just you do that? You just eat it? You just eat it? Yeah, it's good. Something's not right here. Look at his beautiful body, and he gets to eat. You're not butter. just you're not just eating. Butter. Yes, and of course he is. Look at him, cream cheese. Dude. I and know his, he is. You name it. Uh, he's, I think he's seen me do it because it's just, it's pure. It's just pure. You know, it's eighty percent fat. It's just fat. So wait, we were getting at some of these markets. There's got to be some conspiracy because the people that do this and you see seem to be incredibly fit so maybe there's really something counterintuitive that we don't know yeah but i'm sure you feel for like a pretty day full so that's right like that's <laughs> yeah. it right like you maybe you eat maybe you eat like uh half a cup of butter well but one like one, that's it. one cup of butter is what 1200 calories and 60 grams of fat can you but, look but then that's all probably you get more. right i think probably more 80 grams of fat and uh, I love it when these butter advocates and raw food advocates of raw meat then bring on a cardiologist and say, look, it's doctor approved. <laughs> it's about 1,600 calories for one cup of butter and 184 wow. grams Holy of fat. Holy fuck. <laughs> 184? That's one cup. That's literally what one cup of Robochon mashed potatoes are. <laughs> it's, an incredible, it's an incredible amount of butter. Uh, Chang. What's the what's the number one most popular national brand of butter in the United States? Probably, I don't know. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> it's not butter. Uh, that's not butter. I know. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is the Minnesota-based Lando Lakes. Lando Ooh, Lakes. Lando of course. Lakes. I, 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 it's been a while since I bought Lando Lakes. Uh, Kerry Gold is in second place, but I think uh, good old, really? two good old marketing lie that is Kerry Gold. <laughs> so uh, you see so much butter. <laughs> in Sorry, Kerry Gold. Oh, <laughs> apologies, Kerry Gold. If you want to sponsor us, please uh, email us. Oh, at- no. Today's episode <laughs> brought to you by wonderful Kerry Gold. Uh, 
so you see a lot of sweet cream butter in the world, which I have here in my notes is is butter that is pasteurized milk. You were getting at Bordier butter. Can you talk a little bit about what makes that butter better? Yeah. It's simple. Butter? Number one, you got to start with the milk itself. It's got to come from cows and dairy cows that are eating beautiful things, right? Uh, it does make – it tastes better. It's the terroir of it all. And then the ingredients you use, right? So he does a smoke butter. He made a seaweed butter. There's a couple other butters. Um, it, like anything else, it's like why is wine taste better in some regions than others? It's clearly the care and the maintenance and just the process that makes the difference between yellowtail and a DRC. And I fucking love yellowtail on a glass of fucking ice. It's delicious. But, it, you know, all butter can be delicious too. Uh, where do you land on cultured butter? You mean butter? Like versus, like the, the, the like versus, <laughs> like it's, it's all culture. No, no, no. That's but like I'm, the, the, the sort of. That's why I love saying it. The, the. You mean the lactobacillic fermentation yes. pickles? Uh, what? <laughs> yes, the lactic <laughs> fermentation with like the, the tang to it. Yeah. Are you looking for more or, or like what are you looking? for? I like the. We used to have a caged cave age butter, uh, mm. which is delicious. There's mm. different things you can do. A little bit of tang is fine. You know. A little bit is fine. Too much, not so nice. But um, yeah, butter. I have a lot of thoughts on butter. (laughs) JDB, butter in cocktails, overrated or underrated? A hot buttered rum, for instance. I feel like it's rated. I feel like it's rated. Like, I don't think people are. It's just what it should be. It's just what it is. Like it's like there's hot buttered rum that's nice. I think people do um, butter infusion into uh, cocktails very nicely. Like one of my enduring cocktails at PDT is the Shark, which is butter infused um, white rum, and you mm-hmm. don't actually get the grease from the butter. It's basically just a transfer of the aromatic molecules from the fat to the alcohol. Um, and it can do a lot for smoothing out a spirit, making it kind of um, you know more buttery for lack of a better word and kind of smoothing some edges out. Uh, also you can use the butter to like, as like another substrate. So there's another um, cocktail from PDT called the cinema highball, which is like they cooked popcorn with butter and like, so it's butter popcorn infused into the rum. So it's like this sort of like popcorn flavored um, rum and Coke. So it's a really good, it's really useful. I don't think it's like hot. You know, I don't, I don't think people are like overusing it. So I think it's like, it's there. It's a very useful thing in cocktails I don't think it's going to be like, you know, there's no, there's no going to be like, I could make a butter cocktail bar, but, <laughs> but I think it's, it's rated. It's good. It, it's, it's where it should be. I think that, uh, I think the adjective buttery is one of the most misapplied, overused adjectives when it comes to whether it's wine or food or anything else. Especially after it comes after the sexiest, crunchiest, <laughs> most desirable, most essential restaurant list. <laughs> Buttery. <laughs> the, the 32. Butteriest, crunchiest <laughs> restaurants in America. Uh, okay, so how – you have any more thoughts on butter you want to share before yeah, we get into our little game? Simple people. I, mean, I, I will maintain that um, people that take a – when they're at a restaurant, mm. you know, a restaurant that has the butter outside, not in the package, right? That to me, again, still makes a stale roll better, right? Even crappy yeah. butter makes yeah. a stale roll better. Mm-hmm. Salt is important. Mm-hmm. And people need to ask, why would I not just buy salted butter when I cook? Because you can't control the salt level. You just don't know, which is why right. all recipes prefer unsalted butter, which is why you should do it. Not that you can't, because I would prefer salted butter on my bread. But if you go to restaurants, butter and bread is 
a real thing now. In fact, I think we wore the first restaurant to ever charge for yeah. peanut butter at Soundbar. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was more of a joke, but it, it was worked. great. Um, people loved it. I, I really feel that people need to put more butter on their bread, like they were so putting cream cheese on their bread. Mm-hmm. And I also Equal feel that in volume. general, people need to just have butter room temp in general. I like that. When you go to Europe, you see that it's just a butter thing out all day. It encourages you to just use it all the time. The reason why I feel that, so I've been thinking about why do people not butter their bread more? I think a lot of times the room, the butter's not temped properly, so they have to like yeah. scrape it on. Mm-hmm. But if it is temped, and this is if I, just being honest, if I have dined with you and there's wonderful bread, sourdough, whatnot, and butter, cultured, whatever, usually two types. If you go to a fancy place, they give you maybe three types, right? Unsalted, salted, cultured, whatever, cave-aged. And uh, they're delivering hot bread. And if I see you just barely put any on, mm-hmm. again, we talked about this on the DC show, you're the equivalent of basically putting on an air neck pillow before you even checked into the airport. <laughs> to me, your your point systems have gone down. That's like a minus 15 points right off the bat. I, I can't... Can't right. look at that, but your overall it, Madden rating as a human goes down. Yeah, but if you take a nice tablespoon of butter and you slather it on, so it's the sheen and a little bit of the butter starts melting, but there's still enough mm. butter that the density of it prevents it from melting completely. So it's like half melted, half not. It looks like cream cheese frosting. Mm-hmm. That's the amount of butter you need. Yeah, it should be. It's a people don't treat it. You're 100 percent right. It's not. It's not treated as a topping or a like if you were to scoop a chip the equivalent of what you're talking about is there's a bowl of salsa and a bunch of totopos a bunch of chips around it and the person who scrapes the thinnest layer of butter on their bread is somebody who dips their chip into salsa and shakes it all off you, 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 you can't trust them you, and listen not to typecast to this person but you can they definitely dot their pizza you know, with, with napkins, Ooh. too many napkins. They Ooh. take off all the grease. Pizza blotters, yeah. Yeah, they, they they take their McDonald's French fries and they blot the French fries on napkins. Mm-hmm. You know, like I get it, but some why you would do that. But there's some things that are really sacred and delicious, and something that a lot of people can experience is this really truly one of the best bites in the world, and p- people can experience this because it's bread everywhere. Hot bread with delicious butter. That's been salted. You, this is the only time I really love cell gris or Florida cell. Those crunchy bits of salt. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can experience that right now. Do yourself a favor. Go toast some bread, as crappy <laughs> as it is, and maybe microwave a little chunk of butter, like two tablespoons, and put it on a piece of toast. And mm-hmm. come back to us. You're gonna be a lot happier. That's my meditation for the day. It's physical meditation. Go do it. <laughs> do it right now. You know, the best thing is is when it's you take holy, the butter and you use it as thing. like a scoop on the on the. Mm. Like you skip the knife and you just go right yeah. in. That's the best. I, I, I told, totally get it. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, just, that's, that's the best thing. I just, I I, 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 it makes me sad. Yeah. It's a, people should eat more butter when they eat butter, make it, make it worth it. Well, that's just the thing. You're not getting, you're not getting any bang for your buck. If you just have like the thinnest little spritz of butter, you right. gotta, you gotta scoop. I, scoop let me fin- say one more thing. I'll shut the fuck up. One of my great food memories of my life is at Monaco in, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not just trying to name drop, at Ducasse, at his restaurant in Monaco. And uh, three Michelin star, 
outrageous, over the top, et cetera, et cetera. For all the most amazing things about that meal, the thing that still sticks to my mind the most is the cart, the Ghirardon cart of a giant mound of butter. Like, like honestly, it's like four feet high. I swear to God. And I was like, that is the most beautiful fucking thing. You know that scene in uh, American Beauty with the bag? It's like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Sometimes there's just so much beauty in the world. <laughs> I can't handle it. There's just so much butter in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's so much butter in the world. And they had another, set, like a block, uh, a square block of the other butter, and another butter, and another butter. It was a whole cart of fucking delicious kinds of butter. And they brought you, they, underneath, there's another thing of all the breads. There's like 24 kinds mm. of breads. And there's a little butane burner Bunsen thing with a bain-marie. And this guy, you're like, oh, I'd oh, love yeah. some bread. And they bring up the cart. And it's a beautiful cart. It's like a $100,000 cart full of shit, right? Custom made. Everything is like perfectly in place. And they take the hot spoon. They go, and a perfect canal right for you. And I said, oh, they just scrape it off the mountain. Boom. And right on top. And, and because of the heat and the room temperature, it's just perfect temp. And listen. They didn't cook anything. They didn't fucking do anything. Right. But being able to put that on with the whole situation was a real top food memory for me. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, JDB, butter, the, the butter mountain that Chang's describing reminds me of like now. butter. Do you, would you like to see more <laughs> butter, like sculpted butters <laughs> in the world? Sculpted Molded butters. butters as part of presentations? Yeah. One time I had some, one time I had some friends over and I wanted to get fancy and so I had like a a cookie cutter and I I put molded butter into like a t-shirt and then I used like layers of paper to do salt and pepper as like the stripes on the t-shirt so that was the butter. It was really Whoa. fun. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. Whoa. It's great. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um I love butter. So <laughs> you guys we're all we're all Obviously. big butter people here. Uh, <laughs> I love breathing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Loves butter. Stop the presses. Uh, <laughs> let's play our little game. So, um, as is the okay. custom here on our show, we put out a call for butter recipes to you, our our lovely listeners, and you sent in a good number of them. And uh, before we get into today's recipes, just a reminder that you should and can still send in recipes for ube, watermelon, lemons, chicken wings, flavored vodka, and all the other ingredients remaining for this season. Email them to the fixer at majordomomedia.com, and you'll have a shot to have your original family recipe featured on the show. The four recipes that made the final cut for this episode were Catherine Cunningham's butter cake, Casey Murphy's peanut butter, sugar, and butter sandwich. Uh, Sally Taylor's shrimp butter and Julie Joyner's Aunt Mary's sage dressing. Uh, JDB, remind us which one of those four you chose and uh, tell us why. Well, um, it was pretty easy for me actually because I, I, I don't love shrimp. So that was that was out. And then I, I feel like I already done kind of like a semi deranged, like sweet recipe. Um, so the stuffing was the the choice for me because first of all it used so much butter it was like by weight at least 30% of the recipe so that was just another um you know check mark for me and i wanted to do something that was like um savory for once and, and sort of normal you know and not just like a totally deranged like you know uh you know marshmallow fluff <laughs> you know whatever the hell i, I always do <laughs> marshmallow fluff hamburger uh <laughs> So, so yeah, it was, that was, and then also it called for homemade bread and I have a really awesome, um, 
sourdough recipe that I developed during you know peak COVID when I accidentally bought 100 pounds of, of flour uh, from a restaurant supply store. And so I wanted a chance to use that because it called for homemade bread. Uh, but it was a risky choice, I have to say. Uh, wait, before we continue, literally 100 pounds. Literally, yeah. Because you remember when I bought in like April, too. I blew through it. It's so easy. I, like people are like, "Do you still have it?" I'm like, "No, I used it in like three weeks." Um, Again, you know, like when when like could, Chef's Warehouse, someone could give me the stat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what no, I was just saying. I want to know the amount of bad bread that was made during the first so months of the pandemic. So much fucking bad bread. Like, yeah, but, do, but people, people to the moon, me all, included, made people, terrible bread. But people are always yeah, I'm are, disgusting are, pucks of bread. <laughs> But people, I mean, uh, more aside from you two, are like universally proud of their bread. Everyone's always just like, I made this bread. You've got to try it. And you're just like, I don't know how it's physically possible for this bread to feel this way. <laughs> it's a crazy feeling. Well, I always remember. It's like, no matter how good it is, someone makes it way better than you. <laughs> way better. Yeah. I mean... Not just someone, almost everyone makes <laughs> better than whatever. Uh, I think that's pretty good. So yes, home, homemade bread is part of this recipe. So I'll, let me do a quick uh, recap of, of Julie's Aunt Mary's sage dressing here. As John pointed out, this recipe calls for two loaves of bread, homemade bread, and a staggering three cups <laughs> of butter, <laughs> which for those keeping it. score at home is... One and a half pounds. So six little logs of butter <laughs> go into oh, this yeah. recipe. Uh, everything else is pretty much as you would expect for a Thanksgiving-style dressing. It's onions and celery go into that uh, butter pool. Uh, sort of the aromatics are thyme and sage. You pour that all over the bread cubes, chicken stock, bake it for 30 minutes, then brown it for 45, and you've got, and you've got Thanksgiving. What I really appreciate about this recipe is um, it was sent to us in what was like clearly an excerpt from yes, a yes. digital document of mom's recipes. Like this family like a has screenshot like a of very, notes app. a screenshot of notes app, a very yeah, organized recipes, like family recipes, which JDB, I know you have some form of in, in the form of like your, your binders. And I have stuff. like a binder. It's physical from like 1997. Right. Yeah. But you have famously never gotten anything remotely like this. That's a joke. <laughs> like you couldn't even get your mom to. She never give me the real recipe to anything. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I think like this is what was impressive to me. Dave's on one side of the spectrum, never got a recipe. Uh, Julie Joyner here is on the full opposite side where they Guess whose children were better well-adjusted human beings? <laughs> <laughs> Julie Joyner, a, a well-adjusted human, got all of her family recipes in a digital form. Hi, I'm Julie Joyner, and this is my Aunt Mary's Sage Stuffing. My mom has seven sisters. Um, she's the youngest, so they're really all more like seven grandmas and all very good cooks. Um, but my Aunt Mary's Sage Stuffing is a family favorite. This is a quintessential Thanksgiving dish in my family. It's the one thing that if we didn't have on the table, people would um, revolt for. I have brought it to many Friendsgivings as well. So many friends want me to share the recipe. And my mom actually makes bread 
pre-made for a number of my friends to use in their Thanksgiving recipes. To be perfectly honest, it's not really 100% vital. You could use any sort of store-bought bread that is of high quality. Uh, my mom and aunts have always used a homemade, it's almost like a white bread loaf um, that they use for the stuffing and it turns out like a dream. I think it's simple and delicious, but it still is a sh bright shining star in my opinion. I honestly think that the ingredient butter makes <laughs> makes the best. It has an obscene amount of butter, um, so much I often don't want people to even see me making it. Um, but the butter definitely shines through in the recipe. Anytime I ever ask my parents for a recipe, uh, inevitably it just like turned out to have come from the back of a soup can or something. Um, but I really, I really appreciated that. I, this is the side this is why I actually love doing the listener submitted ones. I like getting a little yeah. view into people's lives. Um, but as usual here on recipe club, we're never satisfied just to do things by the book, even though even a very well organized book, we all took a spin on the wheel of death, which has assigned us a specific set of instructions on how we were to prepare Julie's Aunt Mary's sage dressing. And as a reminder for anybody who didn't see the episode where we did this spin, John landed on under 20 minutes, meaning he had to make his homemade bread and his stuffing in less than 20 minutes. Dave got Lux, which means he was to use ingredients that totaled at least $150 and you know, ostensibly elevated this dish from its, um, not elevated, I hate that term. Luxified. That term. Luxified this dish uh, into something else. And I got good old keto. <laughs> so I had to make this dish of bread, keto style. Um, and by the way, I know there's rumblings about this. Not to worry, we do also prepare the recipe according to the original instructions. You will see that all uh, in the Major Domo TV uh, video once those come out. So let's get into our little game here. Who should go first? I feel like <laughs> JDB, I think the I think all three of these restrictions were pretty, pretty different tough. and pretty wild. And yeah. uh but let's go let's go with JDB. You mind talking to us through how you made this dish in 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, my first, my first role with the weenies, I, 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 it was too easy, you know, so I feel like I'm karmically paying for it here because, um, making a recipe that included, you know, this is, it really speaks to like what the definition of a recipe is where it's like, if the homemade bread is listed in the ingredients list, is that like part of the recipe or is it outside the recipe? Like where does, where's the border of the recipe here? So it was a very like interesting philosophical thing for me. So I think we decided that it actually was part of the recipe. Plus it just makes it harder. So it just like, that's just more fun for me. So what I did actually, I did it twice. So I wanted to do it like the real way as a practice. So I did my bread, I did everything, you know, the, by the book. Um, and it was fantastic and extremely buttery took forever. Um, and for me, the main challenge just as, was for, for a, for a comparison, John, how long yeah. did it take you to make the original by the book version of this? I mean, I did sourdough, so I proofed it overnight. So it probably was like a 19 hour recipe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you so know, not the, active, active OG, 19 hours, but OG, 19 yeah. hours total cook time, <laughs> active time, what, like an hour or something like that? Hour yeah, hour, something like that. Yeah, yeah, ish. And what happened when you try to make that 20 minutes? Well, actually, it turned out really good. 
And I was really, I was really impressed with myself. So, um, you know, we, we decided at the end of the last episode that we were, you know, that you could just do a flatbread. So what I did is that, um, first of all, I, I have the recipe cause I figured that like the key thing is like heat transfer, right? So you want to have as much like heat to you know, material kind of ratio so that there's, it just really co- it cooks really quickly. So what I did is I used, um, basically I have all the sourdough starter in my, in my, refrigerator from being a sourdough person so i used basically a split of that water and flour as like this sort of like sourdough flatbread thing and i just got my my um cast iron really hot and just made like weird flatbread that (laughs) cooked really fast actually um and then the other challenge was like the chopping and just getting the celery and the onions to be cooked enough in 20 minutes and so what i did is i preheated the oven to like 450 or something like that to something really absurd and i also put in like a cast iron dutch oven so as like added heat transfer so once as soon as it all hit it just started cooking right away um and it totally worked. I even had time to empty my dishwasher while it was happening. Like I have a f- one take of this of this recipe where it's just like me in my kitchen, just like going nuts. Um, and it totally worked, and it was really good. I think that like what you do miss is the crunchy kind of like um, you know breadiness of it, where it's like stale, kind of cooked, kind of toasted bread, where you get that kind of toothsome aspect of it. It was more kind of like malfatti, you know, kind of like dumplingy, but it was like it was actually really delicious, and I I like loved it. It wasn't really, I wouldn't call it like maybe stuffing. You know, I've, if someone served it to me and said this was stuffing, I'd be like, okay, sure. <laughs> but like, no, but no as stuff. far as like a <laughs> thing to eat, you know, it was amazing. And it was really fun just to actually like try to try to like hack thermodynamics to get, you know, celery and onions and everything cooked really quickly um, and also chop everything within the amount of time. But I was prepared for it to be a lot harder and I thought I would screw it up and have to do it twice, but actually like it worked perfectly the first time. So um, I guess that's what happens when you have seven weeks to prepare. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, I did not know that JDB was a sourdough person. Doesn't, doesn't matter. I, I, there's a lot of things we don't know about JDB. <laughs> I'm a mystery. Uh, very, very, I think that's super cool. I think that the, the flatbread solve was really interesting. So how many, how many little, how many pieces of flatbread did you manage to crank out? You just. Uh, well, it, I think at one point it, it mentioned that like the, the bread should be like one, two gallon bags, like a Ziploc mm-hmm. bags of, of bread, of cut, cut up bread. So it was basically like one of those. So what happened is that I like cooked the bread most of the way in the, in the um, cast iron and then like kind of like pulverized it a little bit like i chopped it up hmm. as it was cooking to make like more crust so i kind of turned it into like a weird dumpling thing you know sort of so to speak so there was more like burnt outside parts but by the time you added all of the stock and all the other like moisture to it it basically turned into like soggy is unappetizing but it was like moist yeah wow so this about 20 minute bread. 20 minute stuffing mm. Chang, you want to go sure um, impressive, John. Um, I I got Luxify and <clears throat> I was trying to reread the recipe several times. I was like, do I need to make this goddamn stuffing? God damn it. <laughs> Hoping that it would change by the 16th time I read it. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? The like, notes app would update. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> like, Fuck. There's been some sort of act of God as recipe club merged with Live Golf. So oh, Lux, so <clears throat> right off the bat, I knew I had an idea what I wanted to do, and it 
on paper it was this basically foie and a lot of mm. super exotic ingredients that I could have gotten from restaurant purveyors. And while that would have been cool, I really want to, whether people realize it or not, make this somewhat applicable for people that are just home cooks and they can't get access to these ingredients. So I limited myself to not just going to Erewhon where I could have clearly passed 150 with just the Easily. chicken, right? Um, I went to Whole Foods and <laughs> I was going to try to buy everything within reason. And and I was like, maybe I'll turn this into an oyster stuffing to sort of elevate it in the terms of the cost. But I was like, maybe there's other ways. So I just wanted to see if what I could get. And then I started to make the dish in my head. Number one, I probably spent around 35 to $40 in butter. <laughs> nice. So that like, once you start doing that, like that helped out quite a bit in terms of the cost. Um, I bought one butter that was like 16 bucks. Um, and I wanted to save that for a sauce. Um, it was so expensive. It looked fancy. Uh, and I was like, oh, this only sells when people land on Luxify spins. I mean, honestly, like, who else is buying this? I just people who have a wheel of death at home. Yeah, pretty much. And then when I calculated things, I was like, okay, I'm going to make brioche. Is the recipe, you're supposed to make brioche, right? Just homemade bread, it says. Uh, it just says homemade well, bread. I just yeah. upped the at the homemade bread, I just, whatever the recipe, I upped it up. So it turned into brioche, mm -hmm. basically. And I use like six pounds of butter in total <laughs> for the entire recipe. Which is cool. Amazing. I mean, because it's, it's brioche is a butter enriched dough. So anyway. that's why. So it's basically butter. more cool. butter weight than anything else in the brioche. And um, you're just sort of mounting it in, mounting it in so it becomes elastic. And you almost, it's just like laminated in it it's not the right word you just you see that it's now absorbed completely into the flour i made that by hand uh which was a tall tall order um and what else did i buy i bought a series of um shiitake mushrooms and enoki mushrooms and hen of the woods whatever is available at whole foods and i was still running short the chicken itself two chickens that were organic were around 19 20 bucks each maybe 22 so like another 50 bucks and i was still short by like 20 bucks all in and i was like fuck and then i ran past um um i was i was going to buy the pate they had a black truffle pate mm -hmm. and i tasted it and i was like nah that's not going to be good so i i also bought um so i bought both that which is black truffle pate and the summer truffles mm. which you can find at whole foods and I'm just going to tell you right now, never buy that, ever. It's <laughs> Unless a, you have a wheel of death. It literally <laughs> tastes like nothing, and they're just stealing your money. You know what I mean? It's it's remarkable how little they taste like something. I was so shocked. It's almost like you went to an Ikea and you you picked up like a prop that was supposed to be a fake truffle in the kitchen. And they're all summer <laughs> truffle. Some of them don't even say they're summer truffle. They're not malignant to them too. I can't even pronounce the Latin today, but they're not. And um, I didn't want to use truffle oil, so I was like, fine, I'm going to buy it. And then I tasted the pate that you can buy, and I was like, mm, that's not going to, that just changes it too. It's like away from the butteriness. Mm. So the reason why I bought the two chickens was I needed chicken stock because right. the stuffing needs chicken stock. Mm. So I deboned two chickens and I was going to make a roulade or a galantine with galantine being, you know, you, you debone it and then you fold up the stuff inside it and you tie it tightly and then you slice it after it's been roasted and you have a nice filling of farce. So that, that's what I was going to do. I've made one of these before and I used to make this like sort of every day when I used to work for Marco, we'd do this with a rabbit balantine and it was, you know, 
it's a lot. It's a lot of work. So I understood that I had a tall order ahead of me in terms of hours spent, and this is the most amount of time I've ever put into any home recipe in my life. I mean, I can I can vouch. <laughs> you were just alone in our studio kitchen. <laughs> mixing brioche dough by hand, deboning chickens. Like I would walk by like throughout the day and I'd be like, what the hell is he still doing in there? The, the amount of time spent is the most labor intensive, time intensive goddamn recipe I've ever, just want everyone to know and I'm, I'm not, it's just it is. Wait, 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 but I just want to ask you really quick because you had been, from the beginning of the season, you had been like, when am I going to get Lux? Yeah. And I was happy. You know why? I was happy to get Lux because it's fun. And I was like, okay, it's this fun. is maybe something a little bit different. And I can tell you the mistakes I made along the way. Um, so it's important to have a plan in place. So once it started to come into focus, because I was like, I, how do I make something lux with just stuffing? And I didn't want it to be wasteful. So you start seeing that there's chicken broth. Okay, great. Um, so I have that and I'm like, okay, I could serve it with something, but I don't want it to be like a recipe where the other parts are more important than the main part. I still want it to be brioche. So to me, the central part had to be the stuffing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I put I put a note like the ratio has to be more stuffing than anything else that I have. Hmm. So it's one reason why I didn't get a turkey because I could clearly could have passed turkey uh, uh, pre turkey prices like ninety hundred dollars right now. Um, but I was like, probably not. It's going to be more turkey. So I got the two chickens. So instead of um, breaking them down normally, I, I had the bright idea of well, again making a balancing. So I deboned them from the backside. Um, <laughs> and kept the skin off. And I basically, this is one mistake. I debone one chicken. It's pretty easy to do. You just follow the rib cage and cut around the ligaments around the, on the joints on the leg. And you could, if I had meat glue, I would have meat glued it out all together. Uh, but I didn't have meat glue and I don't want to buy meat glue. Um, so I pounded out the breast meat and I intentionally left the dark meat off because once I started to figure out if I, made a farce out of the dark meat of the chicken, the ratio of the stuffing would be way less mm -hmm. than the meat. I, I would be off. So I was like, okay, it's just going to be breast meat. And I pounded that out to a rectangle. So my mistake was trying to be uh, frugal with all the chicken that I had. I should have just done one chicken. But instead, I tried to make a Franken chicken of the two chickens. <laughs> so I, so like, uh, I put those two chicken... So I took the... Basically, a rectangle of the two chicken skins. A chicken entirety. envelope? Chicken envelope, yeah. <laughs> and I should have just done one. A or, chicken or if I had to do it all over again, I would have made it so it was more width wide, bigger. Um, instead, it was very long, right? I should have done it the other way or just done one chicken. And then I pounded out the chicken breast so it matched just maybe an inch less than the actual skin overhanging. Mm hmm. And then I made the stuffing as well, the brioche, as Gabby can attest. And okay. a lot of people, Major Domo, ate for several days. So, <laughs> so delicious. So, sorry, it's just the backup. So uh, just to uh, clear, you basically uh, had one big sheet of a full chicken's worth of skin, essentially, right? And then you pounded- Two out, chickens. I put two, two chickens worth of skin. Right. So you had the full un like unbroken, unbroken yeah. uh, quilt of chicken skin. And I wanted meat glue because I would have pounded that together and Got I would have- but then you Made pounded it out just the breast to sort of match the more almost match the. So I turned it into like basically paste okay. by mashing it so okay. hard. So talk about the the stuffing itself though, because I don't think you really went into detail on how you. So made, the stuffing. Uh, made a lot of brioche, oh, and it came out great. A lot. It was very good. 
Very delicious. And credit where credit is due. You did it without a loaf pan. You no, just did no it in loaf pan. whatever pans we had in the yeah. kitchen. That was impressive. Um, and came out. I was really happy. It was delicious. Extremely fragrant with butter. Um, so I was like, okay, this is headed somewhere. And then I really made the, the, the recipe as is, right? The difference is with the carcass of the chicken and with the dark meat, I roasted it off pretty dark mm-hmm. and it glazed with white wine. Mm-hmm. So no, no, first I made a brown, brown chicken stock. So I added water, aromatics, um, and then I reserved some of that. And then the other, I made a continuing reduction with uh, white wine. And I made uh, a sauce. I made a uh, chicken jus, dark chicken jus, mm. for the actual dish that I was going to have. Mm, 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 mm. And the other stock that I just boiled down with the really roasted chicken, I was going to use that for the stuffing itself. So the stuffing I cubed up. I you know sautéed the aromatics. Um, I decided not to add in the pate because it just ch- changed the flavor too much. And the stuffing was pretty much as is. I folded in uh, all those mushrooms as well. Um, sort of an, a nod to Dave Arnold's uh, famous mom's mushroom, uh, mom uh, stuffing uh, that we did last season at Recipe Club, which is, I think, one of the very best stuffing recipes out there. Um, and I kept on seasoning it until it tasted good. And the stuffing recipe is really good. It's a fine stuffing recipe. Would okay. I say you should make it fr- with fresh bread? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> if you're making this at home, you know, not part of recipe club, I encourage you to buy the bread. Right. It's purely a it's like stale it's, baguette. It's Just purely stale. a flex. It's purely for, yeah. not for any improvement in <laughs> ingredient or in taste. It's purely a flex to be like, you know, I made that bread. And I can tell you the only reason it tasted better to me is because I was telling myself it was tasting. <laughs> it had to taste better. <laughs> the amount of time that went into it. <laughs> that, okay. So I have my, um, my stuffing and I, and I, I can't remember if I did or I didn't, but I cooked it off. So I had a little bit of the texture on the top. And then I, you know, I, I, if this was a, like a restaurant-y dish, I would have definitely done something with a dark skin. I would have made a proper farce where it was more smooth. Um, and again, if I had to do it again, I would have done one chicken or changed the width because I made it way too long. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake, number one. And then I basically made a, a donger of the stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had to do that again, I would have rolled that in saran wrap, plastic wrap, and tied it off and torqued it up so it was a nice... And I should have put it in the freezer. I'm just saying, if you're going to make this again, that's what I would do. You, so you did have a, a layer of dark meat farce or no? No. No, okay. Just just the breast. But before I did that, I I put a la- I made a duck cell, right? <laughs> so I don't, I don't make beef wellington, but again, seeing where this was going, I wanted to protect the integrity of the stuff. To me, this whole thing was the integrity of the stuffing in this recipe. Sure. So I wanted to protect that from the actual cooking of the chicken too. And things that would layers that would absorb it, like like house uh, um, insulation. insulation. So I, uh, on top of the pounded out um, white meat, I added a duck cell of button mushrooms and shallots and a lot of butter and minced and chopping that by hand took way more time than I wanted to admit, and I put that there. So then I bought some really nice Parma ham. Which also, this is all about getting to a hundred fifty dollar price point. Putting that out over it, so it would like protect the discoloration. On top of the parma hand, then I shaved with my knife very thinly as possible these crappy um, summer truffles. 
<laughs> What's my favorite part about this, honestly, is though for the last couple of weeks in the studio kitchen, because you did this all in the studio except for the final assembly, I've been like, what the hell are these things doing in the fridge? Why is there this Parma ham in here? Yeah. What's this very fancy butter doing in here? Yeah. And it was all for this dish. Yeah. I love this. So now I have, you know, I was trying to make the the truffles where every bite you'd get something that you would never be able to taste because they're so meaningless. <laughs> But just in theory, right? <laughs> it's it's Earth's, it's the Mother Nature's gold foil. Yeah. And then I made the donger of the stuffing. And I probably wish if I was getting the, the home versus professional, I would have made it tighter so it was a perfect cylinder. Mm-hmm. But I was like forming it like I was my son with Play-Doh, <laughs> like a nice nice mm-hmm. donger down the center. <laughs> can we get like a, a uh, when this podcast comes out, can we get a little donger counter, donger mention counter in the bottom of this thing? Dude, donger gets thrown around a lot in kitchens. Like, that's what it was. It was a donger. Though, that's legit. the shape of a donger. That's what we call it. Dongers. More than one kitchen was called a donger. <laughs> why is that? Why is this a bad thing? Carry on. Can, so you put J- the, J- no, J- no. Why is it? Why is it laughable to say J- I donger. don't know what a donger is. It's I mean, the I know shape. What that's is, what it was but... called. Like a shape. Okay. All right. <sighs> I like think a the er makes 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 the dong an acceptable <laughs> phrase in, in human society. Uh, a- listen, this is just what was told to me. Hey Chang, you do this, this, and this, and you take that, and, and then just make the donger right there. It's like what was told to me. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> All right. So carry on. You, had it, you, anyway, put, you lay the so donger down the center. Donger's down the center. So now on top of all of this, while I'm doing this, I, I layered out two sheets of plastic wrap. Um, and again, this is the, again, the important part. Second mistake, or really the first mistake. I should have made it more widthwise so I could have folded out more. Mm. Instead, I the way I sheeted it out with the chicken skin and the chicken, it was too long. So what happened was, as I was, I folded it over and I torque it, right? You can torque it with cheesecloth, but which I don't have, or you can do with plastic wrap. That's how you can make a lot of great torsions, these t- tight, tight <laughs> dongers. <laughs> tight dongers. <laughs> I mean, in your defense, there's literally no other word for it, except for maybe cylinder. But cylinder, you know, cylinder. <laughs> dongers fine. You have a tight tube. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer we go back to donger. Can we just stick to donger? You have this tight tube. Tuber. <laughs> and then so you you wrap it tight on both ends, opposite direction, and then you can torque it by this is a real culinary technique with butcher's twine. And the more you wrap around it like an Archimedes screw, it starts to tighten and push everything out. So if you do about 20 revolutions of this string around the end, you tie it off, it's now very tight. Mm-hmm. And I did that on the other end, and I, I had it pretty much like this. It was very tight. And I was like, oh, that's a nice shape. I think I fixed it by the the plastic wrap. Mistake number three for me was when I tied it. I tied it with the butcher's twine so it would stay intact. And another thing, if I had meat glue, I probably would have just put it on the edge, the RM, Activa RM, and I would have let it sit for a day and it would have been perfectly, mm-hmm. no, no no seam whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But, I just, I just want to make sure that everybody understands at home. So... <laughs> The donger in the middle, everything got rolled around it almost like a, a, a maki roll, basically, and yeah. then wrapped in plastic yeah, like and then into a tight plastic. So just so everybody understands. So that. now I'm tying it by like every inch and a half, which is what, what I thought it should be with uh, knots. And then problem is the first knot I did too tight. Mm. Second knot I did too too loose. Third knot way too tight like Goldilocks. And the fourth one, instead of getting it right, I fucked it up even more. 
So, so I'm sorry. There was no improvement across no, the board. No improvement because I was like, wow, I was like, this has been a while since I tied shit. I was like, oh shit, that's too tight. What am I gonna do? Cut it off now? No. Every knot got worse. Every got knot got worse. Different tension. I was like, shit. So the only thing I could do now, since they were all irregular, like t- tied knots, some tighter. It was, you know, that feeling when you have one shoe that's tied really tight, and the other that's not. Mm-hmm. That's basically what was happening here. Mm-hmm. Except I'm not like walking. This is gonna get cut. And I didn't want it to be irregular, so I was like, fuck, like, making, a, this is, again, crucial culinary t- technique lesson. When you fuck up once, fix it immediately the mm-hmm. right way. Mm-hmm. Me, dummy me, decided, whatever, this is, I'm going to cook normal. So I then decided, let's just make, fix the mistake by making them all the same mistake. <laughs> so I tied it super tight across the board. I mean, it's funny, but that's like, that's like a super legitimate line of thought. <laughs> Just, well, it's consistency. I messed this one up. It's consistency. Yeah. I've got to make, make them match. Yes. <laughs> so so I was like, shit. So like up. the only thing I could do was to make them closer to all super tight, not too, like the tightest <laughs> knot. They were all like seven in terms of rating of too tight. So I was okay. like, while I did that, the unintended, un- unintentional result was I turned the donger from here into something that was like two, two feet long. <laughs> I stretched this fucking thing out so far. I was like, shit. Okay, so you tortured your donger I into a, a long one. Into a, a magnum sized donger. There's not, there not a future in BDSM for you, my friend. It's just and not, the not. problem is the donger was so big that the guarantee. <laughs> 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 it was so big that I couldn't fit it normally on a, a sheet tray, so I had to go rectangular. What was? I okay. mean, I had to go diagonal. But your how? What was your what was your intended cooking process? We haven't said yet. You were going to. Well, that was another thing because it got too fucking big. <laughs> I, I I couldn't pan roast it after the oven, so I wanted to roast it and then put it into a pan and aerosol it with aromatics. But there was no pan on this earth that was going to fit the size of this thing. <laughs> so I had to do the whole thing down in the oven, and I had to sort of baste it on broil. So it was like 375 for like 45 minutes. <laughs> so, and then cranked up to broil, you know, making sure it was nice and golden brown, rolling it in this fucking you know, broiled temperature Got and then it. let it rest, took all the strings off, sliced it. Before I did that, I've reduced the the white wine, basically, you know, dark chicken jus sauce. And I just reduced, reduced, reduced till it was like almost like a syrup, mm-hmm. almost like how I was making Bernays. Mounted with more butter? And then I added like an ungodly amount of butter. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I basically made a uh, chicken Bernays <laughs> without the eggs. Right? right. It, it was a Bermonte sauce enforced with dark chicken jus, which changed the entire color of the butter to this chicken gravy. So ultimately, I made chicken gravy sans flour. You made chicken flavored butter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To take the, again, like, I'm not fucking around here. I want to make sure that this is the butter fucking <laughs> episode, the butter fucking challenge. And I drizzled it around and it was fucking delicious. Cooked mistakes entirely. all, it was delicious. I would have made it better differently. Yeah. Roast it all on, on a, I assume like a sheet pan. Half sheet tray. Half sheet tray. Diagonal. Because <laughs> it wouldn't have fit just yeah. straight ahead. Got it. <laughs> Elephantitis. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and then just sliced. 
Straight out of the, and then yeah. onto the pep. Very good. And I got all the flavors. What I really appreciated, again, I'm, I try to say, did I say, did you get a piece? Mm-hmm. Um, the stuffing was intact because it was protected by the Parma ham. Mm-hmm. So you could eat it in and of itself and then taste everything else. So that was mine. And I, I put in the work, I put in the time and I thought it was really delicious. And I think I introduced a lot of culinary techniques that the audience may not be familiar with. And I was happy to share my mistakes for you, the home cook. <laughs> if you've ever wondered how to stretch, really stretch a donger out. <laughs> Jake, Can't Jake's got a method for you. Uh, just before quickly I get into mine, I re- this just reminds me of all, uh, the the sort of deboning the chicken and and transglutaminase stuff. Reminded me of like one of my my favorite projects we I ever got to do with with Magnus Nilsson. I, I asked him one day if he could remove all of the meat from a chicken, keep the skin intact, carve replacement parts out of pork, meat glue them back onto the carcass and cover it with chicken. And he was like, in his very Swedish way, was like, of, of course I can. Of course I can do that. And then he did it perfectly. And I'll tell you, a roast chicken, something better than a roast chicken is a uh, roast chicken where all the chicken has been replaced by pork. <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. So it's a it's a chicken-shaped pork? It was like a, a it, no, it was a, it was all the chicken meat was replaced with pork meat. He carved like a wow. breast out of pork and put it on with the, where the breast had been. Wow. Uh, so anyway, that's not what I did. I had... For my sage stuffing recipe, I had to do it keto. Um, and I think there's a lot of ways that you could make a stuffing, something to go into a bird, something to go under a roast bird uh, without any bread. You could, I think you could do a fine job of that. But I, you know, I think that that really would not, that would have been cheating to try to make this thing without bread. So I had to, I had to experiment with keto bread. And uh, Chang, to your point, like, in terms of usefulness of these restrictions, this is this is like legitimately useful to me. Like we are like my wife is trying to eat keto for a couple of days of the week. Like we've been trying to do less carbohydrates. So like legitimately, this was an interesting exercise for me. So keto bread was the big challenge. Everything else, more or less, is is okay, I think, in this recipe. Um, it's just the bread. Uh, so I read as many keto bread recipes as I could. <laughs> there's just like really just be honest you put this into the chat GPT <laughs> I wish I could have I, I should have I, I didn't even think about it honestly though like it's painful it's painful to read all of these recipes because they're all with like this tone of I don't want to say lies but it's like this is fluffy delicious bread like you won't even oh, miss the real thing and it's like don't lie <laughs> just be like this is as good as you can get like you've chosen to eat keto or you have to eat keto, you're not going to get what you want and this is as close as you're going to get. So, a lot of these recipes there, you know, you're there's two different paths, right? You have to you have to leaven this bread either with yeast or with, you know, baking powder, baking soda, um or or a lot of these recipes use egg as their sort of leavening. So like egg whites that are whipped to stiff peaks and then folded in and stuff like that. The other thing is you've got to use a keto, you know, super low carbohydrate flour like almond flour which is basically just almond meal, it's just ground up almonds. Uh, and then if you're going to use yeast to leaven the bread, you know, the thing that works, that activates yeast, that makes it a leavening agent is sugar. You have to add some form of sugar to feed the yeast. The, the, the dough has to have some form of uh, fuel for the yeast to work with. 
not possible <laughs> with keto, except for there's this ingredient that they use called they. Me now, we, we keto heads use called inulin, which is a soluble fiber that can activate yeast. It is extremely low carbohydrate, but it works with, with, uh, with yeast. So I got a bag of that. Yeah, you've been injecting that? That's not like inulin, like the third kind of ozembic? <laughs> I've just been, just, I just been eating it by the spoonful. It's just pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, the, but I've you're been, gaining weight. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't cut out the sugar. I've just added. It's a He's supplement. Adding. Right, it's, right, it's right. more inulin. Uh-huh. So the other major problem with these breads is that they have no, how do I say this? Texture <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, so like you, marzipan. Yeah. So people, it's like, exactly. It's like, it's like uh, eating a, it's like eating marzipan bread. So a lot of these recipes add things like psyllium husk and, and things like this. And I, I didn't want to add oh, no. any more stuff other than, than this inulin. But the one ingredient that you can actually readily find these days, insanely to me, is you can find xanthan gum, which stands in for like wheat gluten in, in, a, in a use like this, wow. can like create that sort of texture. Um, just a little bit of that. So whatever, my bread was almond meal. I supplemented it. I found, I, while I was in the store, I was like, I, I don't know, what if this completely fails? I'm going to buy this box of keto-friendly, low-carb, cupcake mix, uh, which basically has like the same ingredients, but with some of this inulin in it. I added a little bit of that just as my dry ingredient. My wet was the yeast, warm water, this <laughs> inulin stuff. Uh, it, wasn't inulin a character in the Similarion? <laughs> Isn't that the yes. princess in Dune? Yeah, yeah. I yes. think so. I'm legitimately <laughs> telling you, I think so. When they when the, when the the hobbits were on the road to Bree, they ran into inulin. <laughs> inulin gave them the light of uh, something or other. Uh, uh, so I added, uh, the, the fairy elf princess inulin to this, to this <laughs> mixture. Uh, Chang happened to walk in as this was always happening. Like <laughs> on our last episode, Priya was like, my greatest fear is like somebody walking in on me while I'm pooping. My greatest fear is Dave Chang walking into the studio as I am trying desperately to make keto bread for the first time. <laughs> he was, uh, unsympathetic. Um, it was funny. <laughs> It was bad. I whipped egg whites. I folded it all into my dough. I plopped it into a loaf pan uh, that I had, uh, you know, buttered generously. And I <laughs> slid it into the oven. I think the last thing I said was like, nothing is going to happen. <laughs> like, this is just going to come out exactly as it went in. Um, it took a l- long time. Uh, it was all the all the sort of advice I'd read online was like keto bread, low temp, long cooks. Like they're not going or they're just going to collapse and be raw in the middle. So this was like 45, 50 minutes at 350 degrees in the oven. It came out brown. It just tasted like almonds, <laughs> but it was it was more or less bread like. So that was that was like the, the tallest order of the thing. I had this base and my whole thinking was this is just going to get drenched in butter and aromatics and it's just a, it's just I just need some kind of material. I need like packing peanuts to go into this thing. So the other so the other changes I made to the recipe. Keto is low carb, high protein, highish fat. I wanted to add more protein. So I took a I also took a play from the Dave Arnold version of this and added a full log of um Jimmy Dean sage sausage. 
brown that to go with all of this stuff. And I wanted to pad out the bread even more. Um, so I've been cooking a lot of rutabaga. I'm like a big rutabaga guy. Are you a rutabaga person, John? Not really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I like. I think rutabaga is like an underutilized vegetable. It's low carb. It's super savory in that kind of like radishy way. So I mm. chopped up a bunch of rutabaga to to pad this out. Crumbled up all my keto loaf. Did everything else basically by the book. Added the sausage. Roast. I, I spatchcocked a chicken. Roasted it under there. Uh, the one thing, my huge mistake here is <laughs> you have, you add all of this butter and did your, did your brioche end up like, did you add like a ton of butter to your stuffing in addition to the butter in the brioche? I use all six pounds and plus of butter. <laughs> so <laughs> here's the thing. So much butter. Keto bread does not like, like a, a stuffing or a dressing is amazing because bread soaks up liquid soaks up fat it all gets infused into your stuffing keto bread does not have the same absorbency oh, no. properties as normal bread because it's just ground up nuts so i added a ton of butter i added stock um and you know with the chicken dripping on top of it and the added sausage there was if you're going to make this keto i think you've got to reduce the butter by some percentage it absorbed as much as it could but i still had like little pockets and pools of butter that i uh, in my stuffing so Whatever. Very long story coming to an end here. Roasted it, served it last night for dinner. My daughter hated it. <laughs> and she reinforced that today when we saw her. <laughs> She's sitting in the in the control booth over there. Was not a fan. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. Flavor-wise, it was Thanksgiving. It was, it was exactly what it should be. Uh, Jamie, my wife, ate two helpings of it. And... It was the only difference is like the texture of the bread is not there. It's like a little, it's more crumbly. It's not, it's not what you want. My overall assessment of the keto version of this dish, at least the one that I made, is that if I'd gone to Thanksgiving dinner at my aunt and uncle's house and they were living some kind of keto lifestyle and were forcing us to eat everything keto and serve this stuffing, this would be the one thing where I'd be like, well, you didn't completely ruin Thanksgiving. This is stuffing. It's it's totally passable as a keto version. If you're eating keto, like I think you could do way worse than to eat this. It's filling in that way that's like really hard to find with, with a, a low-carb uh, diet. But um, yeah, less butter, keto bread, not my favorite thing, but completely housed in, in aromatics and sausage and cooked under a chicken. Ain't too bad. Uh, so that is, that is all three of our versions of, uh, Julie Joyner's Aunt Mary's sage dressing. Um, now we get to play the judging part and as a reminder or as a, uh, <coughs> instructions for anybody who's never listened to the podcast, the way this works is each of us has, can earn up to 10 points for accomplishing our, our basic task of making the recipe according to our restrictions. Uh, which I believe we all have. John made it his in under 20. Mine was keto, and Dave definitely luxified his. And then each of us will now have 10 points to distribute to our two fellow uh, recipe club members here for things we liked about what they did. Um, JDB, what will you be distributing your points for today? What are some things that you liked that you heard? I mean, I I, I have an issue with the the lux, right? Because... 
is it like, is it, are you making a dish that includes the recipe that costs $150 or is it the recipe itself has to be $150? Cause it sounds like Dave made a whole dish that was more than just the stuff. Well, I could have, that I could have done it without the chicken and just wrapped it in the duck cell and the Parma, but I didn't want right. to waste it. So that's why. Right. And because they said that you need a chicken stock on the recipe, what was I going to do? Throw that away. <laughs> <clears throat> so right. it also it is Lux, and if you look at the previous Lux recipes by Chris, this is way more the main ingredient than Chris has ever done in any of his main ingredients. Why? What is? I'm just giving that as a statement as a fact, wow. set, setting precedent. Why? Just throwing Chris under the bus. Why would you come after no, me? No, it's for not. That? I'm not coming after you. It's a statement of fact. <laughs> First of all, it's not true. But I would—I mean, I don't know why I'm going to bother to defend Dave here because <laughs> he came for me for no reason whatsoever. Like I don't—I don't really understand. No, I, 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 listen, all I'll of just mine say- have hewed to the thing. I will ignore your uh, stray fire that hit me for for no fucking reason and just say, I—I <laughs> I hear you, John. I think that I don't think that like reaching the hundred and fifty dollar limit was a was really a problem. I think that you would have hit the hundred fifty whether or not you bought the chickens. Exactly, I think and I think part of well, you're adding like you're adding the truffles, trying to hit you truffles with truffles <laughs> <or> <laughs> <in> the recipe. <laughs> That's why it's a stray you know, bullet. <laughs> no, but I was just like, okay, could I just make a hundred fifty dollar stuffing? Right. Yeah, but what that to yeah. me was like just stupid too. Could I? It was a hundred fifty dollars without the chicken. So I think I think right. that yeah, the, so, the truffles and the no, mushrooms. I, those but, yeah, exactly. Because I could have bought just buying the chicken to make the chicken stock, stock. and the so, yeah. sauce of one hundred fifty dollars. So that's right. why I, I really wanted to make it. Um, the dominance was the stuffing itself and the flavor of yeah. butter. And if you look at the photo, you'll see that uh, it's also why I didn't add the the dark meat. You'll see that it's almost three quarter stuffing. Versus a quarter. Well, ratios are not, John. The, the, the one thing I would say, I, I hear where you're coming from. I think that the fact that he literally used the stuffing as a stuffing, like right. hues to the spirit of the thing. It would have been different if he said, so then I thought, you know, I would take the brioche and I would cut that with a, a round mold and I would brown that and I would deconstruct the stuffing and stack it with oysters and like make something <laughs> completely not a stuffing. I think would right. be would I mean, be totally it's still legit. stuffing, but it's like, yeah. do how but, how much um, leeway do you get with adding ingredients? Like, if you're adding truffles, like truffles weren't in the recipe, is it like what's I, the tolerance? So there? yeah, so so Lux is tough. I think that adding ingredients is totally fair game. Um, I think it's not just yeah. I think I think it's fair game. I think it's fair game, and I think that Lux has become more about effort than it has about money. But also totally. I would also say it, it was. I, I think part of it is in the spirit that is the main ingredient, like the dominant thing. And right. I would say, yes, it was in the stuffing, right? Butter, brioche, and also the mounds of butter I put into the stuffing. And the fact that you could literally taste butter throughout the process. Butter was in the the the, the sauce. Butter was everywhere in it. Right. So you literally were tasting this thing, and it was just a butter juicy fruit. It's a butter recipe. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, yeah, yeah I, I guess think, that's the it for me where it's like if it, you retain the kind of spirit of the recipe, then you can add it. I think it's, it's the spirit and the function, right? So yeah. it's the spirit and the function. And similar to like when you did the, the, the keto ribs, it was like it's still yeah. a handheld bite sized appetizer. He didn't turn the stuffing into ice cream. He didn't I make like it. Into I was going to say ice cream. No too. Doubt why, that did you, people, why did you say ice cream? I was going to say that. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Now I, I want. Now I people want are going to disagree with this. I kind of want stuffing ice now. cream. <laughs> Let me do that. Uh, oh, and you know what? Tosi made a stuffing ice cream. Was it good? Yes, she's good. Hmm. 
She did a soft serve. It was stuffing and soft serve. I remember that actually. Yeah. I do that sounds kind of good actually. That was actually a huge point. This is like this is like a whole whatever. <laughs> Let's not talk about. It. Okay. Uh, but JDB, what are you? Um, are you you want to for, formally lodge a uh, an objection to the ten points? Oh, I'm not challenging. I'm okay, just. Okay. I'm, no, no, no. I've I already said my got points. points. I've already said. I think we all got ten points. Okay. So what did you what did you like that you heard, JDB? Um, I liked Chris. I liked yours because it was a very valiant effort. It felt like you really struggled a lot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay, pity, pity points. It, so, it sounded really gross, though. I have to say. <laughs> so it's like, you know, where does the deliciousness come into come into play with the bonus points? Like, if it sounds kind of nasty, but it's you really did the I, keto. I'm, my my daughter hated it. It was not the the texture of keto bread. I think is not salvageable, but it was not disgusting. It was it was totally like okay. I said. My wife ate two helpings of it. I, I just, I'm just I'm just picturing like marzipan. And celery together in the same. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was not that. It really was not that. And the, and the rutabaga <laughs> helped it, so it wasn't all bread. But yeah, I hear you. Um, well, I I think that obviously the th- the two things that <laughs> stand out for me, I think JDB the quick sourdough flatbread inspired. <laughs> I think that I think I, mean, I think, I, think cool. I need ten points from both of you because it's, I did. Uh, I took a 19-hour recipe and boiled it down to 20 minutes. And I, <laughs> I think and I emptied my dishwasher. I think it was I think it was very impressive. Uh <laughs> Chang, I think that the I do really appreciate integrating butter into every single part of it. It's actually something that we have not paid that much attention to this season, is just like what the theme ingredient is. So Using brioche, very smart. I think mounting a ton of butter into the sauce, very smart. And, you know, like kind of kind of piggybacking on or, or, or ancillary to what JDB was saying, I do like that it was a stuffing. You stuffed it into something and then you cooked the thing. Um, you know, I think for the the value of the of the of the technique and, and seeing that stuff um, is worth the I, like, let me ask you this: Would you ever do this <laughs> again? Yeah, I mean, Grace. You know what Grace said? She's like, "Why don't you just make this for Thanksgiving?" I was like, "Because it takes a lot of time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's everything you want, and, and it's there. And I have made it for Thanksgiving once in two thousand one, um, and it was the big turkey. It's actually easier with turkey because it's bigger. But I, you know what? I'll probably do this with turkey this Thanksgiving because I think it's a stunning presentation. Everyone's like, ooh. And it really doesn't, if I don't, I'm definitely, if you don't make the brioche, it's actually pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, what are you going to be awarding your points for? I am giving you guys points because you both put great effort into both, right? One being delicious, one not being delicious. But I saw when Chris is sweating on his forehead and it's like 60, 60 degrees or lower outside and he's sweating bullets. I've either overeaten or I've put in some effort. And for that sweat alone, I knew right off the bat without having to see the recipe. I was like, I got to give him points just for the fucking effort, the sweat effort. Um <laughs> So I will say, I, with John, I don't think there's anything I could have done differently. But because I was like, yeah, I would probably make a crepe or or flatbread of some sort in under 20 minutes, and I really appreciated the the mise en place. I think if anything to be learned from this episode, it's getting your mise en place done ahead Damn. of time. Now, John, if you imagined you did this for every recipe that you made, that you were thoughtful and prepared before you even did a thing. How much better would your cooking be and more time effective? A, a lot, lot, I would imagine. Yeah. A lot. 
So that's why I was so happy. I'm starting a cooking school. It's just 20 minutes or less. Yeah. I was so happy to hear that. I think that's like the most important tip I tell people if they, when they ask what I can I do to be a better home cook is literally do exactly yeah. what John did is to walk out the recipe, plan it out and be ready to sort of like go step by step in your head what you had planned out because- I mean, it, I was having a panic attack for like three weeks before I did it. So I don't know how sustainable <laughs> well, it is, I mean, but like uh, I definitely learned a lot. To, to Dave's <laughs> point though, I think that I think there's like an even, like the thing of that you made the original two you know, before yeah. you started messing around. So you knew what you were, you were shooting baseline. for. You know what I mean? Like so many people just start messing around like that for me is like what, as I really think about it, the fact that you made it twice. Well, that's JDB. <laughs> of course he was going to make it. I know. I know. But that's what that's going to put it over the top. So the scores well, are hold on, in. Hold on the sweat thing for you, right? I just wanted to finish. I would say this. I'm not, I'm trying to be constructive here. If I, if I was going to do what you were going to do, if I would land on keto, you might be mad because I think this is clearly what you think. Like, shit, I should have just done this. Hmm. I would have just made almond pancakes, almond yeah. flour pancakes, um, which are actually easy hmm. and quite absorptive of butter. And it's going to get mushy anyway. Well, this is – so this is – yeah. Or, my, or I would have done some kind of gluten-free keto crepe or tortilla. So this is my takeaway hmm. from – is. What occurred to me when JDB talked about his flatbread was like, oh, you know, the problem with keto bread is it's trying to emulate something that it cannot be, which is good right. bread. But <laughs> I did see the tremendous focus and, and effort and the fact that we all learned that Inulin is not only a character in the token series, <laughs> but also a kind of sugar that ketos can use to me. You know, that was worth the price of admission for me, learning learning a little bit. So here are the scores, guys. I've got them now in front of me. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know how to approach this. In third place with a total of 10 plus 5 plus 4 for 19, Dave Chang. He's so mad because he's I'm not put, mad. Wow. put so much effort into it. In second place, with a score of 20, 10, 5, and 5 is me. And in first place, 10 plus 5 plus 6, John DeBerry with 21 points. That brings the – are these updated season standings? All right. The season standings now, now are holding on. I'm, I'm happy for you guys. <laughs> I want you to know I'm happy for you. Holding on to but fuck you, Joe Boo. <laughs> holding on fuck to you, Joe Boo. Holding on to first. you. Don't help me hit curveball. I say fuck you. <laughs> holding on to first place in the drivers' championship with a average score of down from 21.66666 to 21.28571429. David Chang holding on to the lead in second place still. With a cumulative average score of 21 is John DeBerry. Third is Priya Krishna with 20. Fourth, Brian Ford, 19.5. Mr. Ying still uh, in fifth place with 19.375. And uh, you missed you missed all this, John, but Rachel's, Rachel's got 15 points uh, on average for the season. Um, mm. It's great. This has been governed by Scott Foster. Hey, Brian? Yeah. I didn't know he was part of Recipe Club. Good job, guys. Brian was, Brian was in fourth place. <laughs> Who the fuck gave me four points? That was John. No, you? I no, I gave, no, I gave you seven last time. I gave him. Oh, yeah, six. you gave me. You gave me I six. gave you seven. Like you, John, why did you give me four points? I gave him four. I gave you four. I, I, gave, you, I, gave, I gave him six. I, I, I gave him it, six. I split it even oh, more. is this a little bit of quid pro quo? It might be. 
<laughs> no. I legitimately you know what I, this is like? I this is it. like Risk, the game, where I have like 200 soldiers and you have 10 and you just can, took no, over no, no, Australia. No, no, no. Can, I, can, I, give you, can I give you a real justification for why I gave, I no, gave him no. six and four? Doing the Lux version of this is very much in your wheelhouse. Like it was incredible. Like what you did was mm. amazing, no doubt. It's very Dave Chang. But is your skill set? John has already said doing 20 minutes was going to be the hardest thing he could do. I'm like Spud Webb dunking the ball. <laughs> You're not Spud Webb yeah. dunking the ball. You're Victor Wenbanyama <laughs> no, dunking the no, ball. No, I'm dude. Spud Webb, motherfucker. That's not what Shit. this is. You're Wenbanyama dunking the ball. You just have to reach up and put it in, no. the, in the hoop, no. man. So okay. Inside, I'm Spud Webb. <laughs> we, have, we have run way over time here. We have to do sports. one more quick order of business. <laughs> <laughs> The last quick order of business, JDB, <laughs> next time you're on the show, your secret ingredient, your theme ingredient, excuse me, is going to be soda. We've got yeah. three recipes uh, sent in for soda recipes, Catherine Cunningham's Sprite Biscuits, Lindsay Haynes's Cherry Coke Salad, and Tom Brady's, not that Tom Brady, Tom Brady, is that Tom Brady with an extra E's, Lemonade oh. Scones. How sick would it be if Tom Brady sent in a recipe for Lemonade Scones? Tom Brady's TV 12 Lemonade Scones. Which one did you pick? Doesn't he eat like nothing? Um, I picked the uh, the cherry coke uh, salad. All right, so let's <laughs> let's back. I'm back let's, on brand. Let's take a little spin oh, on the. This is gonna be so hard. So, let's take a I'm spin so on the. Uh, I'm for JDB. Spin it. I'm so scared. Okay. 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 Wow! Powerful spin. Oh, another again. under 20 minutes for you. Another under 20 minutes. Uh, okay. I'm going to spin for you. Spin for yourself. That's the wheel. Wheel don't lie. The wheel don't lie. I Dave's really want Lux. I feel get. like Lux is fun. Oh, under 20 minutes. oh. we usually respin if we get the same. Wow. Oh, okay. 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 All right. All right. So, Dave, whoa. Oh, my God. Oh God. God. It really is the wheel of death, isn't it? I mean, it almost killed me. All right, JDB spin is vegan. Ooh. There's cream cheese in this recipe. Or mini marshmallows that's, that, that's stacked. I'm I'm feeling good. Okay. Bon, bon chance. Bon chance. This is Dave Chang's spin. Vegan. He'll be All making right. the cherry coke salad. You know, one person excited about this is my daughter in the control room over there. I'm excited. Dave will be making <laughs> cherry coke salad in under 20 minutes. Ugh, you got this in the bag. Yeah. Wow. Done. Uh, in the bag. Geez. And here's my spin. Cheeto. 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 I can't do Cheeto again. I can't do Cheeto again. Oh, no. Why is it still going? Oh, budget, budget, shit. budget, budget, oh, that's budget. So that's easy for me. Uh, Although nope. the game, the oh, game wait, with wait, budget. Wait. The oh, game. come back! It's pantry only Gabby, what is up with our that's wheel, man? Wheel, <laughs> wheel, wheel don't lie. I got a lot of cream cheese for you, bro. If that had happened in a casino, somebody would be arrested right now. So, fine. Whatever. I guess it's pantry only. I guess it didn't count. Uh, all right. So Pantry only lettuce. We'll be... We'll, it's just... Yeah. Like, Canned lettuce. Fine. Cherry Coke salad. 
if you guys are interested in seeing how Ooh, the he could do this on veggie front veggie straws <laughs> you'd be like a chili chili is a veggie straws <laughs> if, if cherry coke Heart dressing if anybody's wondering how we end up making our cherry coke salad uh <laughs> pantry only under 20 minutes and uh what was john's vegan Ve- uh then you'll have to wait and tune in for the next time we've got, got 19 points. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Sean DeBerry on here. Fucking bullshit. Dave is finally getting a... Dave, you've won every episode It's not this about season? winning. It's about fucking utter destruction of everybody else. Single utter destruction. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Please give us five stars and uh, join us to cook along on the Discord. We'll t- talk to you all very, very soon. 